I came across this uh, at uh, Wheeling Jesuit Bookstore when I took my daughter to enroll in college. And uh, basically what it is, is it's a person who's molten glass casting off the old man, the old carnal self. And it's subtitled is Born Again. Born Again. So uh, you'll see how I work this into my sermon, but I want you to get a, a really good visceral look at this because how we see ourselves, this is how God wants to see us. Pure, spotless, blameless. And too often times we see ourselves as just the opposite. We see ourselves as the dirty, sinful, horrible person inside. This is what God sees. A reading today from Colossians, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Uh, is one of those sections in the scripture where uh, if, if I had some ability, I would like to strangle the people who put the lectionary together. <laughs> Be, because uh, it only tells half the story. Uh, you really have to go on beyond to see what's really going on. Let me give you a little bit of background. Colossae uh, is like Two Egg, Florida. Anybody ever been to Two Egg? Oh, all right. It, there really is a town called Two Egg, Florida. Uh, don't blink. <laughs> You'll miss it. Um, it's uh, heading up toward the panhandle uh, be, between Live Oak and um, Tallahassee. Uh, Colossae is kind of like that. Uh, it's in Asia Minor, uh, which is modern-day Turkey. Uh, the Turkish government has not allowed any excavation to go on there at all. So it's not like you can go and see the ruins and say, ooh, ah, you know. Uh, it's a hole in the wall. It's about 11 miles from um, Ephesus. And the reason that's important is there was a man who was at Ephesus, uh, a regular church member, disciple of Jesus. His name was Epaphras. And Epaphras heard the message of Christ when he went to hear Paul uh, in um, Ephesus. And he brought the gospel back to his little town of Colossae, this little agrarian village. And the only thing that they're known for is raising sheep. And there was something about the sheep that, that were raised in the Lycus Valley. And there was a certain kind of wool that was produced. And that's all we know about Colossae. But uh, to this fledgling church that Paul had never visited, he wrote an epistle. And the reason he wrote an epistle is they didn't understand the message. Somehow Epaphras had 
not quite explain things well enough to know. And so Paul had heard about the kind of false teaching or imbalanced teaching that was going on at Colossae, and he said, I need to set the record straight. And so the epistle to the Colossians is uh, what we call an exhortation. An exhortation is a teaching with teeth. Okay? You don't have to do it. You don't have to agree with it. But if you don't, there are going to be consequences. Okay? So whenever you hear the word exhortation, that's what it means. It's a teaching that very clearly lays out the, the consequences. And so Paul uh, writes uh, to the church at Colossae, and they were, um, as many um, towns in that region, uh, they had many gods, many temples, uh, animism and spiritism were quite popular, angelology, there was all sorts of talking about evil spirits and malignant spirits and all kind of, um, you know, bad stuff. And uh, the people lived in fear. And Paul wanted to get them out of that fear. He said, I don't want every time that you think about anything spiritual or religious, I don't want you to immediately go to fear that there's something wrong with you. He said, I want you to understand who you are in God's eyes. There's a particular um, type of uh, biblical criticism that's called form criticism that's extremely helpful uh, unpacking this particular section. Because we see that Paul, like many good teachers, had you can almost envision he sat down and he said, okay, I want to tell him these five things are wrong. I want to tell him these are the five things that they should replace it with. I want to tell him these five things that they, whoever they heard this from just ought to be shot. Um, and uh, so literally the, the first thing that you discover about this passage from Colossians is, Paul says to them, and you'll see it's, it's winding in and out of these 12 verses, these five things that have already happened in their life. You came to faith in Christ, and Paul says, these are the five things that you can take to the bank. Nobody can ever take this from you. Number one, you have been raised with Christ. Not is going to happen someday in the sweet by and by. When he ascended into heaven, he took you with him. As you see, God's not dependent on time and space. If we are his, he can take us with him wherever he wants to go. See, we don't often think about things like that. We say, oh, we come near to God's presence. No, God's presence is near to us all the time. We belong to him. Your picture's in his wallet. You're one of his favorite kids, I promise you. You 
have already been raised with Christ. You have died. How do we die? We die in baptism. You are buried with Christ in his death and raised to new life in him. You who have come to that wat- those waters of new birth, you are on the right side of the equation. You have a promise. God has already declared you in Christ holy and righteous. Now, you're saying, I know that person sitting next to me, and no, they're not. Uh, okay he's not finished with us he's not finished with us but all of our shortcomings all of our failings Christ covers and when God looks at us this is what he sees he says your whole life you will be stripping off all this that is unholy all this is ungodly you're going to get upset and you're going to get angry. And you might even gossip a little bit. But you have died. And your life has been raised with Christ. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Fourth thing he says, you have put off the old nature with It's practices. Well, some of us have. We may be trying. And he says, you have put on your new nature. The reason this is so important and this understanding foundational in our life in Christ is this should be our default position. This is where we always want to go back to. Are we going to sin? Yes. Are we going to stumble? Yes. Are we going to sing off key? (laughs) Absolutely. Okay? But, but, this is always where God wants to take us back to. Here's something you can take to the bank. God always reminds you of who you are and your strength in Him. Satan always reminds you of your failures. Satan always reminds you of your sin. God's the one who's saying, You're my beloved. I love you. You are precious in my sight. That's not just words in a song, that's truth. So he says, these five things, you have already all of these things. Stick them in your purse. Stick them in your knapsack. Take them home. Don't forget them. People at Colossae, I don't care whatever anybody else tells you, take these things to the bank. Then he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. You see, Paul was a strong enough believer that he knew that there was going to be some earthly stuff in us. You know, there are some people that are so heavenly minded there are no earthly good. And there are some people who are so earthly minded there are no heavenly good. Okay? 
But he says, these are all things I want you to be conscious of. When you see these things bubbling to the surface, when you see immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, I'm convinced that the reason thou shalt not covet is number 10, is that's what Moses got stuck on. (laughs) He said, everybody's going to be there. There's always going to be something we're going to covet. He knew there was something about that earthy part of us. So Paul says to the church at Corinth, whenever you see these things rising up, don't despair. Don't say, oh, I must not be saved. I didn't do Right? I didn't say this prayer just right. But this is your reminder from God of the life He's calling you to. And with His help, He will get you there. So while you're doing these things, put away all anger, wrath, malice, slander, foul talk, And, oh yes, by the way, don't lie to each other. Now, these are church people talking to church people. These aren't church people talking to heathens or pagans. You know, he said, these are things that when you see them, call them out. This is not healthy for the body. When you see anger, wrath, malice, slander, foul talk, don't, and lying, people lying to each other, that doesn't glorify Christ at all. And those passages that they omitted from the lectionary, see, Paul has said, take all this stuff off, get rid of it, shuck it off like old, dirty clothes. But then he says, now you're going to put this stuff on. This is the good stuff. This is signs of righteousness and holiness and godliness. Compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, patience. These are all the things he wants us to get dressed with. Those are all virtues that we should honor and uphold as believers. And then he says five more things. Forgive each other. Put on love. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell, tabernacle, literally, in you. Now, why is this important? You see, I would love to be here next week, but I'm going to be at a different church. Wouldn't make any difference because y'all are switching to Hebrews in the reading next week. So if I don't preach on the rest of Colossians right now, you won't get it. Okay. But the, the important piece here is that the people at Colossae had this wrong. They didn't understand that all these blessings and promises and virtues of God, you and I already possess. 
there were people who were teaching them and telling them, you know, in the sweet by and by, you're going to get this stuff, but you ain't got it yet. I can look around. I can see your behavior. And I know y'all aren't sanctified yet. And Paul is saying to them, don't let anyone rob you of the promises of God. The reason this is so important is if this is who we're called to be, if this is what we are already to be living, breathing, acting, moving, having our being, then heaven takes on a whole new capacity. Heaven is not the place or the state of being or whatever argument you want to have in the sweet by and by, we get a foretaste of it right now. We get a glimpse of it right now. Our blessings of being Christians is not just life insurance that we get to redeem at the end of it time in our ultimate, eternal, and inheritance. But it's the blessing that we have today. It's the blessing, the assurance that we have today that says, God loves me. I'm His. I am precious in His sight. Not because I'm perfect, but because every time God sees something in me that is impure, He's going to call it to our attention. Say, here's a part of your life that's not quite yielded to me yet. Have you noticed the older you get? I don't know if if you sin less. I think it's just we're too tired to sin (laughs) as boldly as we used to. But I do believe that as we look at our lives... And some of us are getting closer and closer to our final exam. Please, please shift gears. See yourself as chosen, beloved, raised with Christ, already in the heavenly places, so that when you do ultimately and eternally step into the nearer presence of God, you can then look around and say, it's just like he said. It's just what I was preparing for. I've been living like this pretty close toward the end of my life. And you can come back and say, remember when Canon Scott was at Good Shepherd? And he preached this sermon and he told me how special and beloved I was in God's eyes. Remember this. Truth is eternal. You are beloved. Not for what you're going to be. Not for what you're going to be in the sweet by and by. But right now. Because Christ died for you. So that any sin you would ever commit. Past, present or future. He's already covered. See yourself as molten glass 
preparing for your final judgment, which you will have no need to fear because God has already prepared you for it. Amen.